Welcome, everyone, and thank you for tuning in for episode two of the Saint 14 podcast, where we talk a fusion of mental health awareness and gaming. I'm Average Joe 227. With me tonight is Sentinel Dad. Hey, what's up, dudes? Hitachi Dave. Dave's here somewhere. Not sure where he is. I heard him. He said, hey, what's up, dudes? Okay, and then we got SSJ5 Goku28. Hey, everyone. All right, welcome to the project. And tonight we're going to be talking about mental health awareness, and Sentinel Dad's going to lead us off with talking about uh, one of the foundations that we're shouting out today. Yeah, absolutely. So um, every um, every episode we try and uh, spotlight a different uh, mental health organization. Um, and this one is called, um, it's actually a, a part of Vets Canada, which is a uh, veterans uh, support um, uh, nonprofit in Canada for Canadian vet- veterans. And this one is uh, specifically towards um, geared towards veterans that are suffering from uh, PTSD and uh, related uh, uh, disabilities from service. It's called Guitars for Vets. And so the program uh, matches Canadian veterans and the still serving uh, members um, that have PTSD or other other uh, disabilities similar to it. And uh, they, they get them like a gently used uh, guitar, online lessons. They can get volunteer lessons um, where, where available, to, to depending where they're uh, located in Canada. Um, and it just really, they kind of use that um, uh, healing power of music. Uh, for veterans who are suffering from PTSD in Canada. So I think that's awesome, and it's uh, something different. And uh, if you want to check them out, you can um, uh, go to their website. It's vetscanada.org. Yeah, it's a great foundation, too. Uh, They're U.S. and Canadian outlets, and uh, they have ambassador programs, local chapters, uh, if you follow their website, guitarforvets.org, you can get news, see sponsors, shop, and you, that's where you can make donations to. It really does make a huge impact on people's lives, and uh, it's just absolutely fantastic. I mean, there's stories attached into the website that are really touching, and you can find the bio on it, too, there, and it's a fantastic foundation. And so glad Sentinel Dad, uh, you know, wanted to do that shout out and bring that to everybody's attention because not very many people know about Guitars for Vets and it's absolutely worthwhile. Yeah, they're, they seem like a really good foundation because yeah. I do work with uh, Veterans Affairs Canada and this is one that I was not aware yeah. of. So for a lot of the veterans that I do see, uh, that are interested in music. This is something that I will be recommending to some of my clients. Oh yeah, they're great. We, um, you know, me, me and Joe, when we did our uh, veterans charity stream last year, Vets Canada was one of the um, was one of the three benefactors of um, of that stream, and um, you know they they help uh, promote it and everything and get the word out. So they're, they're just really great people. And another thing, if you are a musician in Canada. And know how to play the guitar and, and you're comfortable instructing others you could there's an application form on their website that you can fill out if you want to volunteer your time and 
donate um, your time to in, instruct uh, these uh, gu uh, gu guitar um, lessons. Yeah, and Pretty cool. Really cool. to date, they've administered over 25,000 guitar lessons, and they've distributed over 2,500 guitars to vets. And the outcomes from their recently completed uh, pilot study showed remarkable improvements in PTSD symptoms. And mm -hmm. it really does have a positive impact on people, mm -hmm. and so great. I hope everybody just checks it out. So next we're going to, yeah, because our basic talk today is mm. going to be on uh, general trauma mm. and levels of trauma and treatments and et cetera. And uh, Goku's going to tell us a little bit more mm. about this and uh, we'll see. Yeah, because uh, trauma is, it can be viewed in many different ways because uh, PTSD is trauma, but not all trauma will become post-traumatic stress because post-traumatic stress is the general uh, topic that most people are aware of when we discuss trauma so the dictionary defines trauma as a deeply distressing or disturbing experience that someone will have to live through where it be uh, an accident where it be a uh, threatened to death or serious injury they're going to be f confronted with that event. But depending on how uh, their coping strategies help them and how they process that trauma, it will either develop either into what's called acute stress or maybe even lead to post-traumatic stress disorder. So when we're talking about PTSD, which is kind of the, the main one, uh, we're talking about a situation where someone has been exposed to a traumatic experience, has at least one of the, uh, the following in terms of intrusive thoughts, dreams, flashbacks, distress, and physical arousals relating to that trauma. And there's other factors that we can go on into a, a different uh, topic in terms of PTSD. But with trauma, the person is going to have a heightened sense of awareness, a heightened sense of um, arousal because of how the amygdala and how the uh, hippocampus will work. So I know I'm going to uh, neurology here, but the amygdala is a small little component of the brain. And its primary role is... Uh, detecting if there is danger or not. So the amygdala is part of our threat system. Its job is to keep us safe by alerting us to danger. Uh, it does this by setting off an alarm in our body by triggering the fight or flight response and it gets us to react. Unfortunately, it isn't very good at discriminating between real dangers that is really in front of us and dangers that we are thinking about it responds in the same way so when we perceive a an event so we lived through a trauma and we're reliving trauma through either a flashback or a memory the brain and the amygdala has a hard time 
differentiating between those two situations. So this means it can set off the alarm when we're thinking about an unpleasant memory from our past, even though the danger has passed. And like I said, the hippocampus is how we store information. The hippocampus helps us store and remember information. It's the librarian and it tags our memories with information about where and when they occurred. When our threat system is active, the hippocampus doesn't work so well. It can forget to tag memories with time and place information, which means they sometimes get stored in the wrong place. So when we remember them, it can feel like they're happening again. So almost think of your brain as a filing cabinet. So when a traumatic experience happens, we try to file that in a way that we believe is appropriate. But we're so emotionally involved that we kind of shove it in wherever it'll fit. And when we're reliving trauma, it's kind of in a jumbled mess. So let me try to explain it in a different way. So trauma and PTSD are a bit like a stuffed in messy linen cupboard. Whenever you brush past that cupboard, the door flies open and items fall out. In other words, whenever you come across a reminder of the trauma, you have flashbacks or intrusive memories and feel intense fear. A typical response is to, to stuff things back into the cupboard and to close the door as quickly as possible. But this just keeps the problem going. Memories are jammed in and the door will swing open at the lightest touch. So and what we want to do in terms of dealing with trauma, and particularly in PTSD, there's multiple stages in recovery. So as a clinician, we need to be aware of where someone is in terms of their stage of recovery towards trauma. And the person needs to be aware that trauma recovery can be a slow and arduous process depending on how things go. So we don't start by directly exploring what happened. Because if we're talking about exactly what happened, we're re-experiencing the trauma and then someone they, they can go into dissociation. So I talked a bit about dissociation uh, on our last episode. So it's kind of reliving, uh, almost having an out-of-body experience. And we don't necessarily want to do that because we're kind of reliving and re-feeling those uh, those past memories. So stage one uh, encompasses safety and stabilization. So we're wanting to re overcome dysregulation. Dysregulation. So we're establishing bodily safety. We're establishing safe environments and emotional stability. So a lot of the things that I do with my clients is teach them breathing exercises, teach them how to calm themselves down in terms of relaxation exercises or grounding exercises. When uh, they're used to that safety uh, planning as well, we're creating a safe environment, different from what we hear in the media in terms of a safe place, but it's somewhere someone can 
physically or psychologically go where they feel safe. And uh, I have some of my clients make a drawing, have a picture, kind of post it on, on um, a Bristol board that they can take out whenever they're feeling traumatized or reliving those memories so that they can psychologically go to that, that place and feel safe. The second stage is processing the traumatic memories. So we're trying to integrate the traumatic memories so they don't become so much of a jigsaw puzzle, so kind of getting them in order and reprocessing them so they make a more coherent story and so they don't become so overwhelming. Where the stage three is kind of integrating and moving on. So we're integrating what happened because we can't forget a traumatic memory. We can't uh, forget what has happened to us. However, we can learn to live with it, to cope with it, that it's something that is still going to be with us, but when we brush by that linen cupboard, all those towels are not going to fall to the ground. Hello. Yeah. I got a question. Uh, you were talking about, and we do. We've uh, talked about uh, breathing exercises uh, multiple times, uh, helping, assisting people in the community, and this and that with uh, giving suggestions for breathing exercises, uh, grounding exercises. Could you elaborate a little bit on some basic breathing techniques and exercises as well as grounding ones for people? Sure. So to... the mean breathing exercise uh, that people will hear about, uh, if someone has already done yoga, uh, they're going to be very aware of what's called diaphragmatic breathing. It's also called belly breathing or uh, mm. deep breathing. So three words three uh, um, ways of saying the exact same thing. So diaphragmatic breathing is a way to retrain our mind to not be in that fear state. So it works on what's called the sympathetic and the parasympathetic states of the nervous system. So when the amygdala says there is danger, it engages the sympathetic nervous system, which is I need to react, I need to be safe. Parasympathetic is, there's no more danger, it's okay to relax. Animals have a much easier time to kind of engage and disengage those two, uh, those two states. Whereas humans, we have a harder time doing it due to our abilities to uh, reflect on things and project into different scenarios. So. A diaphragmatic, diaphragmatic breathing exercise is using the diaphragm, which is the muscle underneath our lungs, to breathe. Because since we've been kids, we've all learned to take a deep breath with our nose and pump out our chest. So take a deep breath with our lungs. The problem with doing that is we're only using the top third portion of our lungs. So what we're yeah. doing is called shallow breathing. When someone is very stressed, they typically have a um, augmented breathing rate. So they're doing shallow breathing or almost hyperventilating. Just by doing that, it tells the brain that there's something wrong. So it needs to react. So 
So doing diaphragmatic breathing, which is, like I said, using the muscle underneath our, our lungs, filling our lungs to the full capacity, teaches that there's, there's no danger, everything is okay, and we can relax. So the way we do it is we're breathing out for a, breathing in for about four seconds, holding our breath for two, and then exhaling for about six or seven. And when we're exhaling, we're pushing all of the air out. We're almost uh, making like a balloon that's pushing all of the air out. So this is restoring a balance between oxygen and CO2. So the purpose of this, and if people get dizzy, it's entirely normal. It's to re-engage that parasympathetic part of the nervous system to say everything is okay, everything is fine. So coupling this with what is called a grounding exercise. So a grounding exercise uses our senses. Because as humans, we explore the world with our senses. So we have five. So we have hearing, uh, we have hearing, seeing, smell, taste, and touch. And our brain works in serial. We can't do two things at once. It processes one information, then skips to the next. So if we're worrying about something and we're focusing on one of our senses, we're not focusing on what we're worrying about because our mind, like I said, can't do two things at once. So a grounding exercises really focuses on those tangible senses. So the one that I really teach my clients is called the five, four, three, two, one, a um, grounding exercise. So we're asking them to close their eyes and we're asking them to one, hear five things around them and describe those five things. So what they hear, where is it in um, conjecture note to where they're sitting. Then we're asking them to describe four things they can touch. Then I'm asking them to describe three things they can smell. Pick out the nuances in those smells. Then open their eyes describe two things they can see. And on the last one, describe one thing that you can taste. So this takes a couple minutes to do while doing it, they're breathing. So while they're doing that, they're not focusing on dissociation. They're not going into a much more panic state and they're much more able to relax and center themselves in terms of, I am here, I am in a safe place. I'm not back into my traumatic area or that traumatic event that happened to me. That's fantastic. Those are fantastic exercises to do. Yeah. No, they're, um, they're absolutely fantastic. Um, so for, um, if we were like concerned about like a friend, a loved one, a coworker, or something like that, what kind of uh, behavioral symptoms should we be on the lookout for if we think someone might be uh, experiencing uh, something to do with trauma? Well, trauma manifests itself in many different ways. So it, it varies per person, but a lot of it is having a hard time dealing with what happened but it's that initial physical emotional reaction to the trauma so when the trauma has just happened a few days to a week or so 
what happens is someone can go in what's called a state of acute stress. And, and that's very normal because something just happened. We're still in shock. So when someone is in shock, they're, they're having those, um, those physical responses to fear. Or their body saying, you're in danger, you need to protect yourself. When things get further, so trauma symptoms uh, typically last a few days to a few months, and then if it goes further, it goes into what's, like we said, post-traumatic stress. So emotional and, and psychological symptoms can be shock, denial, disbelief. Uh, they can be confused, uh, the difficulty concentrating, uh, be much angrier, irritable, have mood swings, uh, have anxiety, fear, can feel guilty, shame, they can blame themselves for what happened, uh, they can withdraw from others, which is uh, uh, one of the uh, more important ones as well, uh, feeling sad or hopeless, uh, feeling disconnected or numb, they can also have disrupted sleep patterns, uh, nightmares, fatigue, easily startled, uh, like I said, difficulty concentrating, racing heartbeat, being on edge, aches and pains, muscle tensions. So we much need, we very much need to be aware of what's going on. Right. So really looking for a change uh, in terms of what is a normal behavior for the that person. And you can tell this too while in a gaming community we we interact not in a eye-to-eye uh setting mm -hmm. so playing games with people like playing in destiny or playing in battlefield or any other game playing with the same people every week every tuesday night mm -hmm. for a raid and this and that you begin to learn people's personalities and this and that and pick up on when something's bothering them mm -hmm. so once you start learning somebody or getting comfortable with somebody you start picking up their personalities and it really stands out and i've experienced this with people i've played with it really stands out when somebody is not doing well one night something might be bothering them and this and that and I just want to go ahead and reinforce to everybody if you find yourself playing with Jerry on Tuesday night and he's not acting don't be afraid to ask if everything's all right you know never hesitate yeah. always you know be there for for your friends and everybody else in the community because everybody needs somebody to talk to and this and that and just asking could mean the world to the person oh yeah I mean uh just that, that taking five seconds mm -hmm. just to like, acknowledge them, just to kind of approach, be like, hey, you don't seem normal, or you... You, you seem off you, tonight. You don't seem like you're acting normal, rather. Like, hey, what's going on? Like, mm -hmm. that can really, you know, that can re really touch someone and really, you know... Help them open up a little bit. Frown upside mm -hmm. down, if you will. Yeah, you know? exactly, exactly. <laughs> just hearing someone saying, look, we're, we're here for you, it sounds like something's going on. So you want to talk about it. Yeah. 
Kind of, you might go into a, you know a private chat where you're not with everybody yeah. else, and they might open up a yeah. little bit more. You know, maybe they're you know they're you know something going on in their personal life or in real life or this and that. You know, but they might not be comfortable being in an open forum with six or seven <clears throat> other people. But one on one, they might open up with you a little bit more mm-hmm. after the activity is over. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say that, and you don't. You probably don't want to do that in the middle of a raid or something, you know, with other people around. No, it's not. But you, you got the, you, you got the option of sending a, a message behind behind the party chat, you know, and sending mm-hmm. like a private message and be like, "Hey, you okay, man?" And sometimes that question means a lot. Like, just like, it could be like instant mood swing when you all of a sudden you're kind of like feeling down, feeling like disconnected and all of a sudden somebody's like hey you okay man and you're like oh somebody does care about me like and it could be like an instance like your answer you're like yep i'm good man and then your mood just change you you know that question probably made your day even though you didn't probably answer it you just said i'm okay yeah yeah for sure yeah, yeah and i got uh just a basic statistic for uh uh trauma and uh, the statistic is uh, about six out of every ten men and five out of every ten women will experience at least one trauma in their lives. And Because a lot of people think trauma is a war zone, but it's not just that. That's what we kind of picked up on first, but trauma can be a car accident. Uh, it can be the... Um, the gruesome death of a loved one. It, it can be multiple things. So it's being in front of physical uh, physical uh, danger or having a fear for your own safety or exposed to it. You can even have what's called secondary trauma where someone in the mental health field or um, a police officer or um, someone that's working as an EMT that hasn't really suffered from the trauma, so either sees it or hears about it, they can experience trauma. Right. Yeah. Well, I, I know we gotta mm. uh, got to move on because we're short on time, but before, um, can you tell me the difference between uh, secondary trauma and vicarious trauma? So it, it's pretty much the same thing. Secondary well, trauma and vicarious trauma is you're kind of traumatized by what happened to another individual. And it can be a yeah. nice topic of discussion for another podcast. Uh, oh, okay. Fantastic. I, I think that that'd be a great topic in the future. Yeah, we can spend a little more time on it, you know, open up the field because trauma has got so many areas and facets to it that oh, did we it, it's not Joe? just PTSD or this. It's a wide, broad spectrum of things that could be considered trauma and this and that and different levels of it uh and i'd love for you know us to go over a couple more uh different self-help treatments or treatments in general and this and that in the future so maybe we can uh you know focus on it a little bit more later absolutely that would be a great great another show yeah absolutely 
All right, and we're going to go right into our next segment. And Goku's actually, a lot of people are excited about this next segment. And this is uh, Goku's character analysis. And we put a Twitter poll up. And there were a lot of great choices. And we actually had some people suggest some really good ones for future polls. But everybody voted, and the votes are in. And everybody voted for Master Chief from the Halo series. And I'm really excited about this. Big, big shocker. Big <laughs> shocker, Master yeah. Chief. Shocker. <laughs> and I'm so excited. I've been waiting two weeks to hear this analysis. And I know a lot of people are excited to hear this. And you know, a lot of people enjoy this part so goku it's it's all yours man uh all right well thanks for this so master chief so john 117 um first caveat is uh, i know i'm gonna get chastised by the community for this but i only played halo 1 because i never had an xbox so i never got to experience uh, the full halo franchise but i did my digging i did my research watched a whole lot of lore videos on youtube to really get a sense of who is master chief so Master Chief, like I said, John 117, is part of the Spartan 2 program. So he was kidnapped at the age of six and kind of almost brainwashed with the other kids by Dr. Halsey. So at this point in time, we can talk about what's called tabula rasa. Uh, this is a concept uh, kind of penned by someone called John Locke. So tabula rasa talks about the fact that we are a blank slate. So at that moment in time, Dr. Halsey saw things uh, that uh, kind of appealed to her in terms of who uh, John 117 was. So they kind of changed them, molded them with physical and psychological trauma to really uh, forget everything that happened and reprogram them to be the ultimate soldiers. We can almost talk about Stockholm Syndrome here because they're reliving constant, like I said, physical and psychological trauma. And we're also talking about dehumanizing these kids. So throughout all of Halo Reach, we hear about a lot of the Spartans, but we only see their first name and a number. So it's a way of taking away some of their humanity taking away their past lives. And this brings up a concept uh, in an experiment, an experiment that we're not allowed to do anymore in psychology, called the Stanford Prison Experiment. So at the heart of this experiment was taking kids, well, college students, from Stanford University and randomly selecting them to be either a prison guard or an inmate. And making a mock prison, and see what would happen. And over time, people got into their role. Not because they were playing a part, but because they believed what was going on. So the inmates there thought it was a game. But the the prison guards really became enthralled with the power, because they can do pretty much whatever they want. So they really got into that role. So talking about uh, the Spartans, talking about who uh, they trained them to be, they just fit that mold because that's all that they knew from the age of six to the age of 14 where they got an immense physical and psychological trauma 
through their augmentation process. The Aegon went through tremendous grief as well. So they lost half of their class. Uh, and that's where John started to kind of view loss, view grief, and kind of made uh, a principle of not wanting to lose another Spartan. He was so motivated with him becoming a leader and making sure everyone was safe, which was one of his primary motivations. And throughout all of their training, they overrode their fear mechanism. They could stay rational and not emotional and react on instinct. And with the chief, uh, only the only thing he knows is war, is how to fight. And he has no real other transferable skills other than war. So in terms of his self-identity, he is a leader in war. He is a leader of the Spartans. He became this leader. And that motivation from the loss of Sam 034. So these, to me, seem a lot of the primary motivations for who Master Chief is he's a product of trauma and kind of his upbringing but when there is peace he has an identity crisis because he doesn't know who and what he is i don't know if that kind of made any sense i'm going a lot through kind of the, the fall of reach absolutely fantastic i mean the program every time that i heard uh something with uh halo and i think of master chief um i always think back to the movie as a reference of uh i don't know if you guys have seen it but the movie soldier with kurt russell the training program that they put the kids oh it's an older movie but it's a great reference point to what these Spartans went through in their training as children, the trauma that they endured, uh, the training and regiment that mm -hmm. the trainers and doctors were putting them through to mold them into these super soldiers. And in the end, when they came out the end of the assembly line, essentially, they were dehumanized. They had no emotion and they were soldiers. And that's essentially what Spartans became in the end is they were soldiers, but each one of them actually maintained a sort of not personality, I would describe it as, but a like, I don't want to say persona either. I'm, I can't find the word for it, but it's like a characteristic, of, a characteristic. Yeah. Yeah. And Master Chief, he was, he was calculated. He, he wasn't the fastest, the strongest, you know, the smartest. He was essentially the bravest. He was also uh, going through kind of the lore, the luckiest. That's he true, was the too. luckiest. He had a, That's why he wanted Yeah, he had a lot of luck. So everything that he kind of goes through is kind of a byproduct in terms of luck. He got chosen because of a coin tossing, a coin tossing yep. game. 
he won six out of six, yeah, I think. Five and, out of five uh, or six out of six, something like that. That's how he won our poll because he's yeah, lucky. he's lucky. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I did watch uh, um, I also didn't play a whole lot of Halo. When I did jump in, it was a uh, multiplayer, mm-hmm. and I was not very good at it. And uh, but I, I did watch. I have watched uh, year before uh, this. I had watched like all the cutscenes. Sometimes I just do that for games that I don't get to play, but I'm interested in. And uh, Goku mentioned to watch the the Reach one, so I did yesterday. And uh, the the only thing that a moral dilemma that I noticed that he developed while he was being trained and whatnot was between sparing lives or wasting lives. That was his, like that's when he mm-hmm. uh, actually started like like building uh, some kind of morals and. Yeah, well, when he killed those uh, yeah. Reach soldiers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he was pretty upset about that. And uh, when, when you mentioned Sam, when he, Sam died, I think to me that was a moment where he learned that sacrifices had to be made and they weren't exactly being wasteful. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it, it made him kind of step up and take everything he was doing yes. really seriously. Now, a fun little uh, fun fact on Master Chief. Uh, the character is actually voiced by a Chicago disc jockey, uh, Steve uh, Downs, yeah. which is really interesting that it wasn't a a Hollywood. Well, it, it's, 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 really, it, it's really interesting because that disc jockey is one of those hellacious, you know, stereotypical disc jockeys. So he can kind of turn it on and turn it off. Exactly. When he was asked in an interview, his uh, he says initial character sketch. He he uh, drew from Clint Eastwood type characters, in a few words, and that's how he (laughs) came the role. I got some fun facts. Can I read them? Sure. All right. Yeah. Without Mueller with his his armor, he weighs. 286 pounds and he's six foot six foot ten inches with the armor on it's 995 pounds and it's seven foot two inches tall Oof. and uh, oh, he's a big guy and also john 117 refers to a uh, bible verse go tebow yeah and everything else we talked about Yeah, he's a real interesting character. He really is. He's giant. Now, <laughs> he is a giant. Yeah, well, well, six foot I mean, ten without the the Mjolnir is and, uh, pretty pretty immense. In one of the cutscenes, he was the one when they were about fourteen and they were gonna go on that mission where Sam died. He's he goes into the you know the main room in the ship and he is already about a foot taller than everybody, but he still has that little kid face and that buzz haircut. So he looks like a little kid, but he's sitting out right. around his older people and he's like towering above them and you're like, holy crap, he's still growing up. 
still had a long way to go. That's awesome. Well, th thank you so much for, for doing that analysis. And uh, we'll uh, we'll be putting a Twitter poll probably in the next um, uh, couple days for um, next episode. No. So keep an eye on our Twitter for that. I got one question before we wrap it up. Sure. Goku, if, if you had Master Chief sitting in a chair in your office, mm -hmm. what sort of <laughs> diagnosis would you give him? <laughs> what, what? What sort of diagnosis would you give him? Well, After it's kind of hard to, to give him a, a diagnosis everything. of what it is, because he doesn't really have any real psychopathology in terms of what's going on. But he has uh, a great need to protect others. So it may come from a sense of loss. So when someone has a lot of loss, they can want to protect what is closer to them. So um, last uh, podcast I talked about terror management theory and how when we're confronted with our own mortality or the mortality of anyone else, because as Spartans, when um, Sean, uh, Sam034 died, those Spartans weren't aware of their mortality. They didn't think they could die. And that was the first moment where they kind of re reflected on we can die if we're not careful just so just priming that thought of their own mortality Ooh, yeah. just made them hyper aware and hyper conservative in terms of we need to be careful we're a team we're a family because we lost about half of our class uh, that's a kind of a yeah. big motivational factor for them uh, and, and why those Spartans are so close It was uh, 37 of them that died during the um, enhancement. And wasn't that 12 that got crippled? I think so, yeah. Is this during the training? Uh, the, uh, when it, was, it was the enhancement part of the training when they were uh, giving them like... Um, the Almost like a Wolverine exoskeleton. Yeah, medication. And they were like putting adamantium in their bones and all that kind of stuff. 37 of them died during that process? Yes, 30, yes 30, 37. 37. Oh, gosh. Wow. I never knew that. And that was that. that was after like the first three years of training where they had already developed, you know, camaraderie and they were close. So yeah. after that, uh, Master Chief was really kind of... It, the, his main goal was like to not let anybody die ever, and mm. until he has to leave Sam behind, you don't think that he's ever gonna get over that. But I think at that point, that's when he realized that, you know, to rest to save the rest, he had to leave him behind. It, there was no way mm. he they could save him anyway. He was, he was yeah, because he had a, a puncture in his suit, and if he would go out to space, he would die anyway. Yeah, so he let him stay in fight while they while they uh made their escape but he had to leave them and that was, i imagine you know i'm not in his brain but i imagine after him being that his only goal was to not let any of his anybody else die 
to having to decide to leave one behind. I imagine that was pretty, pretty hard decision for him. Mm. Oh, yeah, it's probably stuck with him too, and mm. probably went through some trauma himself. Mm -hmm. But Master Chief, it might have been quicker resolved from his training, mm -hmm. but still, nonetheless. Yeah, we we call that resilience. Resilience. Yeah. Wow. And if anybody ever, you know, wants to look more into Master Chief, there is a ton of stuff online. You have the uh, full Halo series, uh, one through four now, I believe. Five. Or is it five? Halo 5. Yep. And you also have, uh, there was a TV show that came out, I think it was on Netflix, back in 2012. Uh, it was called uh, Forward Onto Dawn, oh. and it... it takes place on reach where uh all the spartans are trained and that's where the uh the cabal attacked it's not cabal <laughs> covenant <laughs> covenant cabal are almost the same thing i'm done <laughs> well, yeah a lot of the, the backstory attack yeah. happened and all the spartans were wiped out there yeah a lot of the the so backstory you... was in uh, fall of reach which is kind of an animated movie Actually, no, that was a live-action TV show. It was a miniseries on Netflix. It was, I think, four four episodes, and it showed uh, uh, young Spartans in their training and also in their social. Uh, it's a little, you know, dumbed down to what the lore and everything depicts it, but uh, oh. it's some really good visuals in it as well. So, if, you know, check it out, you know, if you got a few minutes. All right, I think that that about wraps it up. I really look forward to next one. And uh, for asking one question, we went on for another ten minutes. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry, Dad. But moving on. All right. Um, moving on to gaming news. Um, so, what has everyone been playing? Uh, what, what have you been playing, Dave? Uh, other than Destiny, every now and then, I I finished a hundred percent everything on Horizon Zero Dawn in the last two weeks, and nice. I picked up Tomb Raider. The um the one for PS4. The new one? Yes, uh, Rise of title. Rise of well, the, kind of the, the second one. The yeah. second one that for PS4, yes. Uh, I'm kind of halfway through the first yeah. one. I kind of have to pick that one back up. Yeah, I I thought about getting the first one to get them in order. I got I got motivated because the movie was coming up. There you go. And I I was like, oh, I should play one of them because I heard that they're kind of linked up, but I don't know if that's true or not. It's kind of retelling uh, the first game. Yeah, yeah, and it, it's really good actually. I'm enjoying it. I had an encounter with some wolves the other night that scared the crap out of me. Like I jumped. <laughs> They did such a good job to scare me because they, they had me go into this cave, which I already had done four of them, and it's really dark when you first go in, and she usually uses a cam light. Well, in this in this cave, she didn't turn on the cam light right away, but you can hear her shuffling around, so you're like, all right, she's getting it. Then all of a sudden, you start all this grumbling, and you're like, what was that? There's something in here, and all of a sudden, the music 
and the growling behind you kicks in like really loud and you're like ah and i just like threw the controller and i was like stop it don't do that but it was really, it's really good so far i'm good awesome uh, joe what about you what have you been playing uh i'm still logging into destiny two or three times a week i Love the game, love the series. Uh, I've been playing a little bit of Fortnite. I went in with a buddy and kind of show him the ropes of Fortnite, which was extremely nice. comical and ex- like the shortest matches <laughs> ever. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a lot of fun. And then uh, I picked up uh, Bloodborne. I had the game. I beat it uh, a couple years ago, and I traded it in, and it's on PSN so for free so i picked it back up and i started going back through it again such a great game ah it's hard but it's good yeah Yeah, same here i it's on my playlist yeah oh i love the dark gothic type you know oh so creepy and awesome right it does it does look fantastic i think my friends were telling me how hard it was and i at that moment in my life, I was like, I don't need well, this. It, it, it's I a Souls game, so. <laughs> it's not. Yeah. You will die. Right. Dark Souls 3. Pretty much. Like, I was going to compare it. It's not Dark Souls, but it's pretty close. I, what, what about you? Uh, uh, I hopped on to uh, Destiny a little bit last week. Uh, I didn't play much of it, but... Um, Still playing a bit of Monster Hunter. Uh, played a, a lot more Fortnite, and I got my uh, invite to uh, the mobile version of Fortnite over the weekend. So that was something. The controls are decent for <laughs> what it can be on a mobile game. Uh, playing in, on iPad uh, is a lot easier than it is on the phone because the controls are not as cramped. But uh, me and some of my friends kind of restarted playing Battlefield 4. So... Yeah, no, I, I, I um, actually joined you for... for yeah, uh, games yeah it's kind of fun going back to kind of where uh, Battlefield was, and you can kind of see the evolution that Battlefield 1 brought. It's certainly to, to PS4, so it's still 64-player, but going from 30 frames a second on BF4 to 60 on uh, BF1 makes a massive difference oh yeah definitely for sure <laughs> yeah i pretty much yeah um, what have you been playing yeah I, you know, I, hit some, I, I hit some bf4 with uh with goku and um I, you know i was it last week i um i got like a single player campaign itch i had to scratch so hmm. i pulled out um uh wolfenstein the new order oh. I, never I saw this. So just put that in. And man, that was a fun game. <laughs> was that last week when you were alternate. posting on Twitter the pictures oh, sorry. from the campaign? Yeah. <laughs> okay. yeah. 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 It was like, it's like this, you know, alternate history, um, you know, the uh, Third Reich has t- t- taken over America, your, your resistance, basically. And it, it's, a, it's, it's a, just a fun little game. Uh, been playing that, some Battlefield, of course. Um, I think I did the Raid Lair last week in Destiny 2 for the Raid Group. 
and the division here and there for their uh, global events. They God, on. you're pretty diverse in your but game, man. That's about it. God, how do you find the time? Huh? <laughs> I don't discriminate. <laughs> no. Uh, uh, I well, you know, with um, with Destiny One, you know, that was just like that, that was like the only game I played for like a year. Oh, and same here. So, so I, you know, I, I started just trying to play a different game every night, every night that I play, or, you know, at, at least two to three different games a week is what I shoot for, and it helps kind of keep everything. I was just going to say that. You know, like, diversify it a bit. Yeah, yeah, what was the other game? Yeah, I played um, Star Wars Battlefront 2 last night. Really? Before. Didn't that just get a big uh, yeah. update? Yeah, it um, wasn't about it microtransactions did. and didn't really follow uh, what was going on for it. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think they, 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 they finally just um, organically uh, transitioned it to cosmetic items only. Not bad. Yeah. That's a good, good choice on their part. <laughs> but but that's a, um, that'll be a good transition into our, um, our gaming news. Um, yeah. I think Joe... Didn't you have those um, CFDs down? Well, as everybody, I'm sure, in any gaming community knows, CFDs came out this week, and people are streaming it everywhere, and that is officially out. The beta is over, and the hard copies and digital copies are live now. So a lot of, lot of pirates <laughs> out there in the gaming communities right now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, and you'll see people's Twitter handles, Instagram, Facebooks, definitely <laughs> depicting <laughs> pirates. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah. What was the pirate movie? What was the pirate movie rated? Shut up! That's what he's rated. Yeah. yeah. It, it looks yeah, like a really fun game. Out. I'm, I know it's a Microsoft IP, so I'm kind of sad that it's not coming out on uh, on PlayStation, and I don't have a, a good enough computer to to be able to play it on. So. But oh, wow. hey, there's a few other things that uh, also came out. Uh, I don't know if you guys, this isn't gaming related, but it's pretty big news. I, I just felt that, you know, did everybody here watch the Infinity War second trailer? Yeah, the, the final trailer before the, the release that got moved up. It looks yeah, so good. Moved up, which yeah. forced The Rock to move. It looks good. Up. It looks so sick. I'm so excited. It looks fantastic, and I've read the comic, so I'm really pumped for this. And this is this oh, is gonna too. be the comics kind of glazed over a lot of the like rough scenes and everything like mm-hmm. this. But don't mistake well, it; like this people series, die. the heroes die and they don't come back. I mean, so I'm so yeah. into yeah, like it's... I mean like Harry Potter into seeing what mm-hmm. happens in this series. Well, you know, in comics, they always come back in some way, shape, or form. Whether it be a time machine going back and they recast everybody and this and that. Or... Well, it's like in DC when they did Infinite Crisis and then they did the new 52. It just rebooted yeah, the, whole, the whole series. Now. Did you see they're redoing? They're, there's a new series. They're getting rid of the new 52s. Uh, well, they're rebooting the reboot. Yep, reboot of gonna, the reboot of the reboot. Which is kind of a staple in comics now. Yeah, yeah. I 
think they said the same thing about Destiny. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to get a soundboard. <laughs> gonna beating that dead horse. I know, right? Nothing but love. Okay. <laughs> but... <laughs> I got nothing else. But really, one thing that made uh, big news uh, this week was uh, the success of Ninja on Fortnite. Mm. I know. Drop the mic. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I think, yeah. I was, uh, I was just, just about to talk ahead. about that. Yeah, it went, it went nuts. It was uh, like Ninja. Ninja with uh, rapper Drake and um, uh, Travis Scott and Juju Smith-Schuster from uh, <laughs> Steelers. Um, he said the rapper. Like, Playing <laughs> Fortnite. The rapper Drake, um, but but that rapper, like that that guy down the street. No, um, but uh, yeah, it's a, he had six hundred twenty-eight thousand concurrent. That's a lot. Um, that is a lot concurrent viewers, not just people who viewed the stream that day, but at the same time. Um, and the previous record was uh, by a streamer called Doctor Disrespect. It was from three years ago, and his. Was he had three hundred eighty? No, that wasn't from three years ago, was it? He. he no, that was that was for sorry. his return just a couple months ago when it, his return to streaming because he was on hiatus for uh, personal right. reasons. Oh, no, did, did, yeah. Did, 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 did I say? A few yeah, it was ago? a few months ago. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Yeah, and I know that Ninja had a. No, um, I think it was an interview. Was it on MSNBC? And I saw the the clip yeah. of it on Twitter in terms of. Uh, him, them saying that he's making about five hundred thousand dollars per month by for streaming. Moving on. Yeah, he, uh, <laughs> yeah, he, um, he, he pretty much confirmed like they, you know, he's making you know, closer to six hundred thousand dollars every month. Yeah, just from his uh, kinda, subscriptions. Yeah, it kind of makes you rethink your uh, life choices. Yeah, you, know you got to trace back like his his career though. Like he. He started since Halo. Oh, yeah. He went uh, e- I mean, esports. He, he's been doing yeah, it for, for a decade. So I mean, like this is not just he like Twitch only. Like he has like he's been sponsored for years. So he has like a lot of other income coming from all the esports stuff that he was doing before and all that stuff. Yeah, you're exactly but, right. Yeah. I mean, this isn't just some up and comer. You know, Ninja has been a pro mm-hmm. Halo player since the beginning. He's been in the community, and I don't know if anybody's seen the interview with him on uh, NBC. I believe. Yeah, I saw it. It was on. It was. It was on CNBC. You can find it pretty much anywhere if you just type in Ninja interview. He represented the gaming community so well in that interview. So proud of him and the success he's gotten, and just so happy you know that he he represents all of us you know as gamers and our whole community all together i mean that if you want to look at a success story to Mm. look up to i mean Mm. he's not a bitter person he's not shallow he's he's just a regular guy he's ninja yeah well he's kind of making away from the typical gamer stereotype yeah absolutely Yeah, this is really good for the gaming community. What happened with the Drake thing, and it it put up instead of you know every time that the gaming community gets looked at, it's because you know there was something bad that happened and violence and video games and all that stuff. It's always something like that. It's never something positive like this. 
that brought so many people, not only like, like the gaming community to like watch them play, it all it brought Drake people that probably never knew Twitch was a thing and they never knew there was communities and a chat where people can talk to them and all this stuff and they look at it and probably like opened up a lot of eyes out there is like oh, maybe Absolutely. this is not so crazy you know yeah. it's a lot more cracked up to be than uh they made out it to be in the past mm -hmm. that makes sense mm -hmm. not really um well, yeah, well, with there's like, some announcements. Yeah, with some Division Two and um, uh, some, Black Ops Four. Some teasers. Yes. But Smash Brothers is a big one because it's one of the biggest Nintendo franchises. Uh, it coming to Switch and hopefully it's a brand new version of it and not a a remake. And it, another caveat to that, kind of going from my namesake, apparently Funimation is trying to get Goku included in the new Smash Brothers. So I'm pull so I'm pulling for that one. <laughs> I really loved watching the reaction uh videos on YouTube of the Super Smash Brothers announcement. Mm -hmm. Just people that streamers oh, yeah, that were watching the announcement and you saw the like the uh, the logo for Super Smash Brothers in the eye of the character in the video, and then you see the person's reaction. Oh my god, that was awesome! <laughs> that was fantastic. But other things coming out, uh, as you said, Division Two was announced. Mm -hmm. uh, the new Black Ops, Black mm -hmm. Ops Four, I believe, <laughs> is coming. Black Ops. Uh, that was announced as well. Yeah. Um, and the um, Battlefield Fives. Yeah, I'm excited to see it as well. Yeah, hopefully we'll get to see a lot more of these uh, these titles and everything at E3 this year. Hopefully they uh, showcase a lot of them. It's going to be a really good E3 uh, this year. There's a, a new company called Midwinter. Uh, they announced that they're coming out with a game that is gonna be kind of like in the same page as destiny or uh borderlands you know like per shooter looter um uh group play or whatever you want to call it but uh it's it's gonna be called scavengers and uh they had a bydock on on youtube and they had like uh you know like uh art rendered like you know, drawn art of what the world is gonna look and stuff like that. Right now, I mean, they they're not even close to starting this game, but they're already talking about it, and it seems like it's gonna be really cool. It's gonna be co-op, and uh, it. I'm interested. I'm gonna keep an eye out for that. Yeah. And uh, any of you guys read uh, Ready Player One, the book? No. Uh, no, I I haven't. I haven't. I have not read it. Well, the movie comes out next week, I think, the 29th. Apparently, it's reviewing pretty and well I am... uh, at the the cons. It's yeah. It. I'm excited. I read the book probably four times, and people are. I know. For it. Yeah. yeah, I know they changed a lot of the characters that they use in the book because you know, like how much it costs. Oh. Spielberg didn't want it to use his own stuff in the movie because he felt weird about it. So it, he changed a lot of things, but I think the premise is going to be pretty close to the book, and I'm super excited about it. 
Yep. Probably be now, talking that, about that for the next month. Is that going to be a two-parter? Do you think? You think Ready Player One's going to? They're going to be able to wrap it up in one movie, or you think they'll be able to stretch it into two? I I think so because right now uh, I forgot his name, but the author is starting to write Ready Player Two, so I think that's what they're going to go with. It's going to be movie that he's going to write the second book, and they probably if they do it, they'll do a Ready Player Two movie. So it'll be like an avatar later. like timeline. We'll get the first movie, and then 20 years later, we'll get two and three. <laughs> it's, that's the, uh, on the 20th anniversary, my 60th birthday. Yeah. That's about right. <laughs> and I'll still be like, oh, I love this book and video games. <laughs> get me a soft pretzel. Yeah. <laughs> Those are my news. Also, Far Cry, uh, Far Cry 5 comes out next week. Uh, I'm a little bit excited about that. I played all the other ones. I love the open world. The last one in Nepal was a blast to play. And uh, See, I, I, I haven't played any of them. I do have, um, was it Far Cry 3, you, I think? The, the free one that was on PSN uh, last if, yep, year? Yep, if you pick but, it up uh, from 3 and go any. on, it's fantastic because it's open world. Uh, you know, it's first-person shooter, but it's open world. The worlds are huge, but to craft certain things, you have to hunt animals in it. And you have to go to certain parts and this and that, and you'll get attacked by animals that are just free-roaming in the world. So it's really cool. I, I, I got really pumped for it. And the one in Nepal takes it even farther because in the fourth one, they put in waypoints, quick travel areas. They expanded the map like five times. It's a massive map. And D- didn't they do um, a while back? Didn't they do like a Far Cry yep. Primal or they something? They did like Primal. That? I mm-hmm. didn't play that one. That was after four. Yeah. The, I think it's the newest one. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought that was fairly. Yep, they went back to like caveman yeah. days, essentially, right around that that time crow magnum or something like that but i right. i just i wasn't into that one at all so i i have no i have no knowledge on that one at and all and then there was far cry blood dragon eyes, i just skipped it that was a really early one wasn't it yeah it was kind of expansion to a far cry 3 going full-blown 80s retro Going Grand Theft Auto Vice City, yeah. Well, going back to the uh, old school uh, 80s action movies. Nice. Yeah, I think I'll, I'll definitely play that then. But for sure, I think the Far Cry series have so they always look too big for me. Like, like I, they just seem like a lot of work, and I'm like, yeah, like I. I think I started playing four, and I did like the first part. And I think when the menus start coming up and all this stuff that I had to or could do, or I was like, "Oh, this is too much." To be honest, I had fun just roaming the map. I hear that. I had the same response to Mass Effect Andromeda. It's just like too much. Took too long to go places. Well, Andromeda suffered from kind of one a lot of bugs, but two it didn't have the the, the narrative that um, uh, 
the original Mass Effect had. had. Yeah. Yeah. But it's going to be hard to touch the pedigree of the, the, the original Mass Effect uh, trilogy. I just want them to remake Those it for PS4 left, and I'd be a happy camper. Good luck with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. I mean, it's a big franchise. Yeah. Not, but I, I, if I remember correctly, side. EA kind of canned it for a little while. Just... They did, yeah. They, yeah, they, they, they firmly put it. Which on is paper. sad because Mass Effect was such a good series. Actually, speaking yeah. while we're on the topic of EA, uh, just in recent news, they uh, everybody's aware of Fortnite's, you know, extreme success, mm -hmm. and it forced EA Studios, who does Fortnite and another game series called Paladins. Uh, they sh they're shutting down Paladins, but the great thing is they opened up all the characters, worlds, everything involved with creating the game to other developers. Uh, this is about $12 million worth of work that they're giving out free to developers to use. So they're shutting it down. But it's also like a twelve million dollar gift to other developers, because EA operates on a Unreal Engine, and it's a really good operating system, and it it's fantastic. I mean, Unreal's been around forever. Yeah. But this is fantastic news for other developers that are kind of partnered with them or licensed, who license the Unreal Engine through them. I think there's like. 17 different studios or developers that uh, license the Unreal Engine that have access now to the $12 million worth of skins and character building and world and this and that, all the stuff involved with that game. So that was that's pretty big news for if you're a developer, mm. if you create games. And I think there's somebody in our community that actually just graduated couple weeks ago and developed a game maybe he can shine a little bit more light on that to us later but i'm not going to name names but the other thing that was announced i only have one more thing for news atari i don't know if you guys have seen atari's got a console coming out this week just actually i think yesterday they released the name of it the new atari console is going to be called the atari VCS and pre-orders are going to open up in April next month but they are going to show it at the GDC this weekend so keep your eyes posted oh, and wow. it, I'm sure it's going to be flooding the news I'm super curious to see what Atari's created because these people have not created a console since like 80s. I was born <laughs> Since I was born. Since E.T. Since E.T. the game, I think. That's why I <laughs> had to show everything now. Oh, the nice video Google game right crash now, of the 80s. Have pictures of the console. They yeah. have a, uh, an up-to-date console that kind of resembles an Xbox One controller, but they also have the classic joystick and one button. So they kind of got a retro feel, but they also have a current you know, console feel to it. So keep your eyes peeled this weekend. It's awesome. I think the biggest. Uh, I was gonna say that I think the biggest challenge for those for those uh, retro uh, consoles, 
the, the main reason that they're bringing them in is because uh high definition like i don't know if you ever try to connect your super nintendo to a 1080p tv it does not look no. good well that's why if you have an emulator yeah. it kind of helps smooth things out yeah raspberry pi i think it works out better unless you actually buy one of these ones that they're bringing in now you know like the new mini nintendo and all that stuff that's coming out because they're made to work with hdmi and now you get you know now we're shifting to 4k so that's even going to be even like a bigger challenge for them to keep them up yeah for sure but we should probably move along and uh try and wrap this up a little bit we're we're cruising at a little over an hour right now but right now we're going to go into uh another segment uh doing a solid helping a brother out uh sentinel dad do you have uh, any shout outs you want to do um yeah i had one um when i was playing uh battlefront 2 a few nights ago and uh um i was just trying to get my um I was trying to get enough kills to get the next sniper, and I was just having a rough time. And it was a guy on the other team, and he, could, I think he, he could kind of tell, and so he, he kind of just he, he walked up to me, just stood there, and just like shaked his um, his character left and right, left and right. And so I just shot him, and I and I got the the, the gun I was trying to get. And his <laughs> name was uh, Jew Pigeon Five Fifty Five. Really. Thank you. Thank you, Jew Pigeon 555. Nice. Nice. That was really solid of him. It's like he almost knew that you were going for that gun. <laughs> so he was helping you out. Oh, for sure. Yeah. But, anyways, that was my, uh, cool. my, uh, my dude was all. Dave, you got any shout outs? We lost uh, Dave. Goku, do you have any uh, shoutouts? No, well, I haven't played much in terms of multiplayer. Like I said, I've played a bit of uh, a battlefield, but we're always, always been playing in uh, in squads. I know we were having a hard time when we were playing with uh, Sentinel on uh, um, Operation Metro. Yeah, we uh, we we had the opposite of. Yeah, we were getting <laughs> slaughtered. <laughs> And grenade that spam was too. real. As long as you guys were having fun. Oh, yeah. Uh, I had one. Uh, last week, uh, I went and did the Nightfall for uh, in Destiny 2 for the week. And uh, Chris3711, uh, who's in our chat and uh, who helps us out in the Saint 1714 project. Uh, great guy. Uh I'm going to be uh, meeting him, actually, in April at uh, PAX East. He's going to be out there. We're going to meet him for a couple drinks. And uh, he helped us out with knocking out the uh, Nightfall. And we gave Prestige a solid run for the Nightfall. And uh, couldn't lock it down, but had a great time. And, you know, it was, it was so great not having to go into, uh, you know, an LFG or anything like that to have somebody... Help me out getting the nightfall done. So, thanks a lot, Chris. And Dave. Yeah, yeah. I think. Yeah, I think. Um, I think Dave, you you got the community news this week, don't you? Yeah, uh, I'll do a 
doing a solid too, but I'm going to do it a little different because my shout out this week goes to Jorge on Facebook because mm. he, he was selling a PS4 Pro and I started talking to him about it because he was selling it for so much cheap. And he gave me the, he was questioning me like if I was adopting a kid. And uh, I guess he loved it so much, but he had to let it go. And he wanted to get somebody that would enjoy it and take care of it. And he was asking me a lot of questions about what I played, if I had one, and all this stuff. And he gave me a really good deal. He gave me like three games with it, a PS4 Pro for under 300. And that's my shout out, Jorge on Facebook Marketplace. That's uh, He did me a solid this week. awesome dude mm-hmm. hooray all right hooray. yay go for it <laughs> are we gonna do that every night every now and then <laughs> like every time now for all the solid hip hip hooray jorge i did not get it at first oh, all right so start <laughs> uh, all right moving on uh, community news starting up with a. Uh, um the community news for this week uh, uh planet destiny was discontinued um i thought at first that it was because uh the, just a podcast but apparently their whole uh infrastructure is getting shut down temporarily for now uh I, i'm sure we can blame that on the state of D2 right now, yeah, probably. It, it really it's just been... says about how, what the state of the game is right now. Yeah. yeah. So, so they're, you know, don't go looking for them. They're not going to be on YouTube anymore. Um, but So, shout out to the last guys that were still on. I think Fallout left a few weeks ago. and uh, But shout out to him, Black Link, Moonbold, Mega Magwitch, and Nemplays. I think they were the last guys that were on the and you know we wish you the best plant destiny podcast yeah yeah we'll miss you because i used to watch or well listen to uh the planet destiny podcast all the time when it was the the, the dcp crew and i would go to their the planet destiny youtube just for getting gun reviews and uh, all the information and then it just kind of dried up mm-hmm uh, unfortunately, yeah, I, I think that's an amalgamation of uh, the state of the game, the state of the community, and um, I mean, it, it's not just the actual game. You know, there's there, there's you know some personality uh, things you know that are and people being getting pulled away by yeah. other games as well because right now there is competition. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, there's Monster Hunter, Fortnite, Sea of Thieves. I mean. There's so, there's so much good games out there right now. Since, you know, it, it's hard to keep your attention. Because oh, yeah. Destiny it's, came out at a time where uh, they were having a bad Call of Duty. Uh, Battlefield 4 was in a really horrible state at the time. So a lot of people just gravitated yeah. to Bungie in terms of it. It they made Halo. So everyone kind of gravitated to that and kind of sad to see that um, 
they they kind of dropped the ball with Destiny 2, but hopefully they're they're going to be fixing it. Yeah. And Planet Destiny is still like you know other than the podcast, I I think we're all more familiar with, but they still had like uh you know on their YouTube they had a lot of stuff going mm-hmm. on. They had all the guides that they used mm-hmm. to do. They had people doing guides. They had people doing lore. So and that's a lot of content that's not going to be there from now on. Nothing new anyway. Uh, moving on, uh, our buddy Danfinity, he launched Side, Side Quest Sunday podcast. Uh, he had uh, JC Jesse this week. I think they're on their second or third episode. So. Third episode. All right. I'll go. Let's go check him out. Uh, you can find him in an Anchor, Google Play, iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. They're every, he's everywhere. If you're looking for him, you will find him. It's a great um, podcast. Dude, so funny. I haven't listened to it yet. I'm kind of backed up on my listening. It's so, it is so good. But it's, it's like, like I, I, I want to get them a stage and a microphone. I want them to do stand next to each other. It's Mm-hmm. I'm gonna have to really take a listen to them since it's really cold in Canada and we've been being walloped with snow, so not been taking the dog as for walks out as much. So that was my prime podcast listening time. So eventually spring will come and I'll be able to catch up on all the podcasts that I I have backlogged. Yes, I gotta catch up. I should be able to catch up this week. I got a lot of work. Uh, and other news, uh, we were talking about Mixer earlier, and it just uh, K Magic 101 officially moved to Mixer. It shows that you know, like big names that are set are trying out that platform now. Mm-hmm. So uh, and I'm um, trying to differentiate differentiate themselves from uh, from Twitch. Yeah, it's a new movement. It's something new. They got different ways of doing things. It might be refreshing for some. So, uh, and last, uh, Mark Square, Jesse Jesse, JC Jesse, and Indulgent Human R series. Uh, you can see, I think you can start seeing them in uh, Mark Square's Instagram if you want to go check it out. Uh, it's Mark Square underscore. And uh, they start a new series called the Vanger Cinema Series. And uh, Average Joe has a article about it, and they have some great art. If you go check out his article on uh, TRN, right, Average Joe? Yeah, you can uh, check out the article on uh, destinytracker.com. Uh, and yeah. this is the second art series that Mark Square, Square has uh, collaborated on. First one was the Timeless Tower series. And uh, that one focused more with uh, uh, famous artworks and renaissance and really uh, beautiful works of art throughout history. This one went in a different direction, collaborating with J.C. Jesse and Indulgent Human. They went along with uh, cinema, and they wanted to do something with uh, movies and cinema and stuff like that. And with J.C. Jesse, the man loves the 80s. Yeah, and they went with yeah, 80s Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, and, and uh, the oh, uh, yeah. JC. 
JC Jesse is my kindred spirit in a way. Like we're very different people. He's, but like uh, when I listen to their podcast and they do like all the choices, he usually goes last. And by the time it gets to him, I'm like, why isn't nobody saying this? And then he says it, and I'm like, oh, there he is. <laughs> like we think alike. We always pick the same thing. And so yeah, the first the first uh, art piece that they I think they put on. They put it on uh, Twitter and Instagram. Twitter. It was uh, Kate and Sav's Excellent Adventure. And it looks so good and so funny mm-hmm. at the same time. Like, I would totally fill up my wall with those posters that they're doing or art pieces that they're doing. They're really that good. fantastic. I'll tell you, Mark Square is such a talented, uh, diverse uh, artist. Yeah, they have, a, uh, they have another yeah. one of uh, Army of the Darkness. With a shack, army of darkness. Uh, army of darkness with the shacks <laughs> and um, the queen Marosov. I love yeah. that one. That was my favorite. Yeah. I love that movie. Too. It's really good. And uh, big trouble in Little China. What what did they call it? Big trouble in Little Chicken or something. And it had Kate and the chicken. I, did, I didn't want to say it. I'm like some. I, I know what it is because I wrote the article, but I'm like, oh, you got to see. It's, oh, it's so awesome. good. It's awesome. But, yeah, definitely go check them out. And uh, if you want uh, a little bit of inside the pro- creative process that these guys went through and everything and with creating each of the pieces and all of them together, uh, definitely check out the article on DTR for the uh, community artist spotlight for that collab. It's so interesting. It was so awesome getting to talk to all them guys and seeing all the different collaborations and, you know, the entire process that Mark goes through physically creating, you know, these pieces and then essentially repainting the entire poster and piece to Mm -hmm. have it all match. And each piece took upwards of 10 hours to create from the four or five hours that Mark took, you know, doing the uh, basic uh, artwork and then blending it all together. And then Indulgent Human is a fontologist who literally matched every single title and letter to the original poster. I mean, he did such a phenomenal job. And J.C. Jesse, just with his vast knowledge of pop culture and <laughs> 80s you could literally say anything about the 80s and he will know exactly what you're referencing i mean the guy's That's a wizard fun. like like he's he's that guy like if you're in an elevator with them and his phone goes off he still has a ringtone of take on yeah. me <laughs> which is an awesome song yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah definitely check it out yeah I, I wanted to put out there uh for everybody that's listening, if if you have anything that you want to share with the community that you think that would you know fit in as a community news, you know, uh, just send us a message and uh, we'll, we'll you know we'll plug it in. Yeah, for It'll sure. Help us out to have like something to mm-hmm. say, and you know it we can help each other out. Yeah, if you got any community events or. Uh charity uh, fundraisers or streams or any events going on definitely reach out to us and uh, let us know and we'll do a shout out on the podcast and we'll we'll uh, try and support it and back it as much as we can 
Yeah, because we we will scour twi Twitter looking for stuff, and you know, if we find something, we'll like just put it in there. But if we don't want to miss anything that could be important or something like that, and it could happen, so if you guys um have something that you just want to plug in, just send us a message. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it'd be awesome. Yeah. Speaking of plugs, so we got our streamer of the show. <laughs> Um, and I think Joe's going to take care of this oh, one. This this plug is so near and dear to me. I mean, I I, I follow this guy. I uh, I'm in his Discord. I I think he's a great personality. I I loved it when he guest spot on Crucible Radio, and then he was on various other. Podcasts. He was on DCP a couple like, weeks ago as well. In. I used to hone in and love when he was on as a guest. And then he became a regular on the Planet Destiny podcast. But Fallout Plays, he's a community member who My man. is awesome. Awesome. What a great personality and a great content creator in our community. He does so much uh, helping people out. Uh, you can find him uh, weekly, uh, almost daily. He takes a few days off, you know. He's got some, you know, he's got a life too, you know. He's got to work. Uh, he, uh, he streams uh, and helps uh, people on the weekends uh, with Trials Carries. So if you've never been to the Spire in Destiny 2, uh, definitely check out Fallout. He will do his best to help you out while doing fantastic entertainment you know during his streams he's so comedic uh during iron banner he loves to put on a banana costume <laughs> and it's he's, i remember that <laughs> he still puts it on every so often and he's so animated but so uh he's so personable and you know approachable and he's very uh level-headed and calm most of the time unless it's a really tough match but uh He's a, uh, a PvP scientist. I mean, he he does weapon breakdowns. He has uh, YouTube videos that you can check out. You can find him on uh, Twitch TV slash Fallout Plays. You can also follow follow him at his uh, handle on uh, Twitter, uh, Fallout Plays. And I definitely recommend everybody yeah. check him out. And I stepped away from our stream on February 10th for uh, TakeThis.org and... Uh, we did a awareness stream for mental health. I stepped away to cook dinner and this and that. And Dave and Sentinel Dad were manning the ship, and I get a message from Sentinel going, "Joe, did you uh, do you check out Hidden's Block?" I was like, uh, "No, I haven't been on. I I've been in and out. You know what's up?" He's like, "Check out who's uh, with Hidden." In. I'm like, "Uh, I'm like okay." Uh, I check it out. Fallout plays. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. And I had the <laughs> biggest geek out. Sentinel Dad had to calm me down. Yeah, he's a Fallout. Fallout's just a good dude. I, I, you know, I joined them on that block, and um, actually, I, um, I hooked up with him on Twitter, and uh, back when Fallout, um, his all his listeners, all his viewers rather, um, donated him a PS4. He was primarily an Xbox guy with uh, D1 and um, so I hooked up with him on Twitter and you know my, my raid group from my old clan and Destiny 1 we, we took him through the, the raid a couple times just to get him some good gear and whatnot. Mm -hmm. uh, but he, he's, he, he's just a, 
an awesome dude. I, I met him at GuardianCon last year, too. Just uh, an all-around good dude. Uh, people should definitely check him out. Auto-host him and all that. Nonsense. <laughs> but I think that um, that kind of wraps it up, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'll do the... Um, so uh, thank you all for uh, joining the project. And uh, you can catch us on, on Twitter. It's, our handle is just at Sate14Project. If, um, that, that's where we put most of our updates for our events and everything. Um, we have a Discord, a community Discord. Um, if you are interested in mental health awareness, if you want to support our events, if um, you want a great community of awesome people, to um, you know, talk about mental health and just just have a good positive community of people to be around and to game with. Uh, just shoot shoot us a message on on Twitter, or you can email us at saint fourteen project at gmail.com and we're more than happy to give that out. It, it is an, uh, an open Discord. And um, again, thank you all for joining us. And if you want to reach me individually. Twitter, it's at Sentinel Dad, and with an extra D on the end. I stream a couple days a week too uh, on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Sentinel Dad. Um, Just got affiliated. And I'm also, I'm a, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And um, uh, you can get PS4, my gamertag is just Sentinel Dad. Um, Goku, where can people find you? His in and out. <laughs> oh, we're losing. Okay. Discord's okay. being um, funny tonight. Uh, Dave, where? <laughs> Dave, where can people find you? Hachi Dave, everywhere in the interwebs. Uh, you'll find me. <laughs> Subtle. You're not still on uh, MySpace? I'm sure I'm still on MySpace. <laughs> I actually looked it up the other day. It's still pretty cool. I got some really good songs in there. So if you want to check it out, go ahead. <laughs> You can find me at uh, Twitter is where I migrate most of the time. You can find me there anytime at uh, Average Joe. Uh, that's A V G Joe two two seven. PS four is the same A V G Joe two two seven. And uh, yeah, that's that's it. Goku, are you back? Awesome. Fantastic. Awesome. Well, thank you guys. Thank you guys so much. Thank you everyone for uh, for listening. Um, uh, hit us up and let us know if you have any questions or want to contribute at all. Please let us know. Thanks for joining the project. See you guys in two See weeks. See you later.